2: Welcome to the Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I'm Nick. And this is your weekly podcast exploring the lives of the great poisoners, macabre murders, and captivating crimes from across the centuries, and creating curious cocktails inspired by the tales that we tell. And it's episode 179. Yes, it is. Oh, I'm
0: yawning there. Beg your pardon. <laughs> <laughs> Caught me in a yawn. No, no, no. I'm enthusiastic and ready to go. <laughs> My house is very warm. It is. It's warm and toasty and I'm, I'm sleepy now.
2: Yeah, I'm sorry that it, it creates the nice snuggly yes. atmosphere. I've got a nice
0: cocktail <laughs> oh. and it's warm and
2: it's like, there's a sofa over there. Yeah. And there's also fuzzy kittens running around.
0: You're yeah, making me record stuff.
2: <laughs> you can go and sit on the sofa with a cocktail with the fuzzy kittens afterwards. Yay. Yay. It's lovely. <coughs> Yawning, coughing. It's going well. It's going well. Oh, the various gods. So close to 180. so close to episode 180. Hooray! Oh yeah. We're waiting for yes,
0: exciting celebration.
2: I don't know what happens then. Big cake.
0: Do we get a cake? Oh, can
2: we have a cake? I Maybe so. we should. Well, we might have stuff to celebrate next week for 180.
0: Uh, yeah, cake.
2: We're going to celebrate cake next celebrate week. Celebrate cake. 180 cakes. cakes. <laughs> Are going to make 180 We're, cakes? No, I'm
0: not going to make 180 <laughs> cakes. We're going to eat 180 <laughs> cakes.
2: Oh, okay. That's quite a good challenge, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Could go round the patisseries of Canterbury. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and say, so people, we demand cake. We demand Stop cakes. yelling at us to leave. <laughs>
0: demand 180 of your finest cakes, finest tiniest cakes.
2: Well, tune in next week, people. It's, it's going be... to be a riot of cake. It's going to be great. End badly. That gives me a thought. Actually, if we did cakes next week, we'd do Marie Antoinette, could not we? Oh, oh. See, oh. content. There you go. There's your. There's your story. Oh. And I'll bring you a cake. Oh, secret ingredients cake! Well, that's all to look forward to next week. But now we're in the here and now. <laughs> well, none of that will happen. <laughs> none of that will happen. How are you anyway? Um, I'm
0: now thinking about cake. Mm-hmm. Can you deliveroo cake? Yes, of course you can. <gasps> right, well, that's me sort of. You've done this out.
2: before. Do you realise that?
0: What deliveroo cake?
2: You've sat, gotten fixated with the idea of cake, and then literally picked up your phone while we we're recording to try and deliver deliveroo cake to your face. And now he's putting his phone down sheepishly like, no, that didn't happen. No. Of and I said at the time, go ahead. And then you got bored of typing halfway through. <laughs> yeah, I got halfway through cake and got bored. You did. Oh, it's too many letters. <laughs> Maybe you were trying to go, deliver me your bouche. <laughs> Delivery driver balancing that. Like, uh, Nick Gordon I'm has not spoken. a fan of a profiterole. Are you not a fan I'm of a I'm not by a profiterole. I'm with you. I can take them or leave them. I'm with you on it. It's, oh, no, I don't want to mm-hmm. say it's a bit basic. If you ever tried to make one. <laughs> <laughs> Those croc on boots, a bit
0: fucking basic, isn't it?
2: <laughs> The has got the spun caramel is, on yeah. it and is all towering. Whereas shoe the... pastry, bit of fucking basic. <laughs> yeah, I, ne- <laughs> I immediately backtrack there. <laughs> I've never made a shoe in my life. I think it's important that I try next week. Yeah, <laughs> basic bitch stuff, those profiteroles. We've established a lot in a very short amount of time on this yes. podcast, but you're well otherwise. Yes, yes. Apparently. Any poisonings this week? Uh No?
0: No. It's gone far so quick this week. This week has zipped by. Like lightning. So there's not been time to poison people. No, God, no. You're no. a busy man. Indeed, there's just stuff going on. Stuff going on. Constant, constant,
2: constant. Stuff. Yeah. Stuff, <laughs> stuff, 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 <laughs> stuff, stuff, stuff. and not a poisoning amongst them. You need to hire an assistant. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Just for poisoning people? Well, yeah.
0: Ah, oh, they can't do other things.
2: Well, what do you want the assistant to do? Well, we've
0: got the right way episodes.
2: <laughs> they can't record the episodes. Maybe
0: cocktails. I can do everything else.
2: You can get an assistant if you want, Rich. should I <laughs> It's
0: the next Patreon tier.
2: <laughs> Who wants to be our Let's... assistant? Pay to be our assistant. Get, what? Get Nick an assistant. <laughs> just be running you errands to get cake. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So now if I had an assistant, I thought about
0: cake, I said, go and get me cake. And then within ten minutes, someone would be feeding me cake.
2: And in five years' time, a book would come out akin to Devil Wears Prada, where they detail the abuse suffered. Oh,
0: is this like all the Robert De Niro stuff going on at the moment?
2: What's happening there?
0: Oh, his his like his assistant is suing him for being unreasonable and making crazy demands and things.
2: Oh my God, I love that so much. I've not seen this in the news. I yeah. live for assistants dishing the dirt on their so like celebrity. A, 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 at one point,
0: he sort of phoned her at like two in the morning and demanded she go to Nobu and get a martini. <laughs> <laughs> (laughs) stuff like that she had to go and pick it up and bring it to his apartment and and then leave if you had an assistant
2: uh, Nick that's exactly what would be happening
0: absolutely you're gonna get one for yourself while you're waiting
2: oh yeah yeah just Uber it good well that's that's what Nick is looking for an assistant that's what I need that's what's going
0: on answers on a postcard
2: well speaking of hiring assistants to fetch us cake and making unreasonable demands of them at two in the morning hmm, I think it is time for us to thank our delicious Patreon subscribers
0: every new Patreon my sister is one step closer.
2: Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and I think some of our patrons would do us an errand every now and then. <laughs> you would exploit that 100%. But
0: exploit seems so harsh a word. Encourage.
2: <laughs> Encourage. <laughs> gently. Exploit is an,
0: is an ugly phrase. But it's true. But it's not what we would say. Doctor has been there.
2: Anyway. Anyway. Thank you. Thank you. To Cara to Nikki Scott Finnegan and to Beth Kettler thank you you delicious sexy Patreon subscribers you're very beautiful very very sexy Marvelous. oh we had fun on Patreon this week we had an unsolved murder oh we did yes we did we had a person who was battered in a in a hot field battered in a hot field yes which is great <laughs> but in a bad way probably not for him no 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 no, no. it was an intriguing story that one yeah, yeah a little local bit of uh, murder mystery in Surrey indeed countryside shenanigans going on if you want to know what the hell we're talking about please consider supporting us on patreon if you don't already it's a flexible platform that helps creators like us continue find out more at patreon.com forward slash the cabinet we also have a shout out this week for the lovely lovely rebecca lawrence from her sister rachel rebecca and rachel are regular listeners of this show they have supported us for quite a while we know rebecca's not had a great time recently so we are giving her a big shout out on behalf of her sister and on behalf of us indeed because we love you very much absolutely and we hope you are well and you are safe and you are happy and we wish you only happiness so thank you so much for being lovely lovely fans have a cocktail well nick are you ready oh god no to drink cocktails talk about poison yeah why not well we could drink poison and talk about cocktails no, what 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 is this? No, no, no. I'm not sure where that accent went. Yeah, no, no just don't do it again. It was it's... like a voice box demonstration. <laughs> it was some... But, which is it, Nick? Which oh, is yeah. it? Which the is first it? one. Should we go with the first one? Oh, yes. Hooray, hooray, hooray. Well, I'm really confused. It is my story this week, and we can't, we can't, we can't possibly have a story without a cocktail in hand. As you know, dear listeners, every week we choose a secret ingredient that is inspired by the tale that we tell, and it will flavour our cocktail of the week. And this week's secret ingredient is... Hollywood. 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 Yes, Hollywood. Tinseltown Town. The Big H. No, that's heroin. <laughs> is, that, <laughs> it's a, is that what it's known as? The Big H? No, it's not. I don't I know. There may be other names. Not, not familiar with that one. No, but Hollywood. Yes. Where dreams are made and shattered. I'm assuming we're going to Hollywood. We may. Man, man, dude. We okay. are going to Hollywood. Going Hollywood, to Hollywood is the setting for this week's Ooh, tale. Oh, how exciting. Mm. But with Hollywood, Hollywood, all the things that Hollywood conjures up. Yeah. What have you conjured up? Wow. Well, I mean, there were a few cocktails out
0: there called like Hollywood and Hollywood Boulevard and stuff like that. Mm. And I looked at them and they were boring. Oh, were they boring? So I, was like, I suppose uh, there were
2: probably a few that were like, Hollywood, ooh, like the shaving. No. Not that I noticed in that in <laughs> cocktail form. it's um, <laughs> <was> good waxing. <laughs> to be honest. What is it? There's nothing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, This is a distinctly un cocktail. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> None of those. Okay. So I've gone, I've gone, I've looked back. Back, back, back. I've looked back and we are having. Yeah. Greta Garbo. <gasps> oh, Greta Garbo. Yes. Marvellous, marvellous actress marvellous apparently the, the fifth greatest actress of all time
2: It's very good i just want to be alone She i said. just want to be alone allegedly never said i want to be alone no nah. people sort of quote that and do some sort of vampiric accent behind I think it people
0: think it's like marlena Dietrich or something like that people do
2: think it's yeah, it's yeah it's marlena yeah. oh marlena had that air about yeah, her It was like she didn't have to say anything she's like just don't
0: come near me but also i mean but the great thing about greta Garbo, I, mean, I sort of wish i had a life she retired at like 28 or something, man. Yes. And then lived the rest of her life in seclusion in a mansion collecting art. <laughs> <laughs> and she, like, died in, 90, in the 90s or she something. She did, yeah. <laughs> Which is like, Brittany, she didn't talk to anyone for like 50 <laughs> years collected art in a grand mansion living off her millions I think that's the appeal of Greta
2: Garbo but also why people go why don't we know more about her because she just did several very very well received and very well acted films and then just went nope (laughs) none of that whereas Catherine Hepburn and Marlene kind of carried on doing things Bette Davis oh you couldn't keep her down (laughs) (laughs) marvellous woman that she is but Greta Garbo I'm I'm excited wonderful I think it is high time for us to skip into the poisonous cabinet kitchen and shake up a storm so we'll see you in a minute we'll see you in a bit And we're back! Hello! Hello! So, Nick, the Greta Garbo. The Greta. Oh, it's so elegant. Now, it's very pale. Oh, yes, After indeed. a run of brown and yellowy yeah. and amber and wee yeah. coloured drinks, we have something very, very pale. Mm,
0: I look forward to
2: this one. Oh, do you? Mm. Now, I know one of the ingredients because you've yelled at me for the last five minutes. Yes. But we'll come to that, shall we? Okay. Okay, should we just dive in? Let's give it a go. Cheers. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Okay. Ooh, okay.
0: That's good. I like that a lot.
2: I do like that. There's something in that, though. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there is something in it. There's yes.
2: Something I'll, in I'll this alcohol give, business. Give you that. There's there's citrus. God damn it. There's citrus. Immediately, some aniseed is there absinthe in it there is oh <gasps> no nick it's my episode the tini- <laughs> tiniest, tiniest weirdest of bits the tiniest weirdest of bits but you can fucking taste it. taste it absolutely oh my goodness me right well the ingredient that i know is in there is rum yeah <laughs> because i'm storing all the bottles nick said is there white rum i said yes there's there's enough for whatever quantity he said and then you yelled at me saying there wasn't quite enough. Because there wasn't enough. There wasn't quite... Well, I'm sorry. I didn't want to pour it out and exactly... measure I did think about pouring it out and exactly measuring it. Then we would have known. And then I we would have... have gone think... to the shop and bought more. You said you were going anyway. You literally said in a text, I'll go anyway. We need to restock. Then you actually reached for the rum bottle, didn't you? And thought, nah. If nah. she has got this wrong, it's absolute ammunition. Exactly. It's fun for me if it goes wrong. <laughs> fun for everybody. No, that—that that is you really like that okay so that. rum Oh, was really crisp and clean the aniseed comes through mm. for some reason on this cocktail more than others really aniseed i would have thought there was perno in that lime lemon Le- li- lime Bicom. lime yes yay lime absinthe, rum anything else bit of sugar oh is that it that's it oh good god yeah. So, it's like a twist on a daiquiri. It is
0: an absinthe daiquiri.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it is very becoming of Greta, it's, and isn't it? It's very, very good. Oh, that is
0: nice. I like it greatly. I feel it's desperately dangerous. <laughs> <laughs>
2: You're very happy instantly. <laughs> but, yeah. Your fingers are twitching. <laughs> Annoyingly, we're out of rum, so I can't have another. <laughs> it's really crisp, and I keep wanting to say perno because, honestly, for some reason, the absinthe in this is so aniseed forward. <laughs> And even though there's no is, aniseed in,
0: in. there is one third of an ounce.
2: That's mad. But then often, but we often we just often, do a it's rinse.
0: The tiniest amount, and it is it comes through like anything. So, yeah. but a
2: third of an ounce is a lot for us because normally it's about a sixth or just a rinse, and then we throw it out. It's so if you're not a fan of aniseed, then this might be confusing for you. But it's a daiquiri, and I a like daiquiri is amazing. I like
0: it very much.
2: Oh, you're very very happy. Yep. Lovely. Well, with the Greta Garbo firmly in hand, we're yes, taking Greta we're taking on a We're taking Greta walk. in the hand. Is it time for a story, Nick? I should hope so. Because we're going to Hollywood. Uh, So we've established. Yes. Let me set the scene for you, Nick. Okay. Exterior. (laughs) Night. Exterior. Hollywood. Hollywood. 1922. (gasps) A cold wind blows. Glacier walks down the street. Blue lights flash. A cat skitters in the shadows. Clattering a trash can. No, none of that happens. None of that (laughs) (laughs) happens. But we are. We're outside the bungalow. Of a very famous resident okay. of a very affluent street. Okay. And inside this bungalow, a man lies dead. Not just any man. Okay. It was William Desmond Taylor. Oh. Do you know who that is? No. He's one of the most prolific and successful silent film directors oh. of all time.
0: I am, I'm not familiar with his work.
2: Mm. But he lies dead. Oh, poor him. He's a leading figure in a time of meteoric rise of Hollywood. And also at a time of gross scandal in Uh, Tinseltown's history. Yes, it is time for a tale of murder in Hollywood. Hollywood crime. Jazz hands, everybody. (laughs) Now, so many people weighed in when I said Hollywood was the secret ingredient Mm. on social media thinking about all the crimes that are associated with old Hollywood, and we are going to old Hollywood. It's not the one that a lot (laughs) of people mention, but that is referenced in this story. There's a lot of great old Hollywood crime. So much scandal, and maybe it's a little maybe it's a little series within the series that we can <laughs> run. But back to the crime at hand, what is Hollywood at this time period? So a little background, we are in 1922 when this body is discovered. But in the late 1910s, early 1920s, for those who don't know, this is a time of massive change for the film industry in America. Oh God, this is going to be a Sinead film episode. So since the late 1800s, and it is back that far... <laughs> <laughs>
0: Now we have a year by year account of Rundown of cinema. everything that
2: happened in cinema. I'm going to give you a compressed history please, in a paragraph. Please make it compressed. Well, people have been mesmerized by cinema, Nick. You've got Mybridge's horse pictures. You've got Thomas Edison going, I invented it. I invented everything. He did do quite a bit. He did do quite a bit with his kit. It was very important, but he screamed at anyone who tried to use it. But as technology advanced, you've got pretty much anyone and everyone having a go at filmmaking in the early 1900s. So the silent film era, while most of us probably haven't sat down and go, let's watch a good old silent film, you're probably going to watch Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin films. Charlie Chaplin uh, is, is within this era. You're going to watch some of the later ones where it got a little bit more advanced. Mm. But you've got very important films that were created at this time. Yeah. And anyone, anyone could be a filmmaker. Most of the studios when the film industry began were based in New Jersey, outside of New York. Yeah. yeah. They moved to California, better weather.
0: Better sunnier, weather. Yeah, sunnier.
2: really took off. Talkies won't emerge until 1927 when the jazz singer came out. But after World War One is right when Hollywood is kind of born, I would argue. California in particular is a health haven because you've had Spanish flu outbreak and California dealt with it a lot better than the rest of the USA. People decide, hey, movies are popular. And that's what makes some of the producers going, we need to make a lot more money out mm. of this. We really need to set up some sort of system, some sort of system. And it is the beginnings of the story studio system if anyone doesn't know what that is it's where you have the emergence of what would be as the big five all of the studios who are churning out films and they control hollywood they literally control hollywood you have stars contracted to them they are making huge amounts of money because from the silent era where you have lots of people who can just make film if they feel like it <laughs> you have studios now emerging buying movie theaters charging people for distribution rights they're turning this into the mega 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 industry that it is now today while this is an exciting time it's also a worrying time with anyone with a sense of moral decency (laughs) Oh yes these films you see this cinema scandalous. business scandalous it will drag us into the gutter people are making films and they're going and watching films about about people about about women women who are seen on screen oh no we can't have that and villains and and, and heroines and everything and sexual immorality terrible ideas it does give people terrible ideas i mean there was <laughs> shockingly in the silent era there's a lot of porn it's a whole thing which we're not going to go yeah. into but the amount of porn that was produced and And it is hilarious to watch. If you ever get to see a stag film from those days, you're like, this is really graphic <laughs> and really weird but that aside does it have subtitles
0: those, those, those flash-off, flash-off <laughs>
2: it does. i'm not kidding Brilliant. <laughs> mostly some of them just go look it just happens this is part of my course that i studied by the way i don't just sit down of an evening and go hey silent porn but the emergence of the film industry because it's money making leads to this outcry about moral decency there's so many people who are calling that we need rules and regulations We don't want this to descend into moral turpitude. This particular movement was not helped, or was helped, depending how you look at it, by the death of William Desmond Taylor. So we've set the scene. We know where we are in Hollywood. We know we are in the film industry. We know that there's rumblings as well. Rumblings, rumblings, rumblings rumblings in Prussia. But back to the bungalow. The bungalow that we're on is on the L.A. thoroughfare of Alvarado Street. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Very well to do at the time. Around 7:30 a.m. on the 22nd of February 1922, the police have received a call about a man being found dead in his home of natural causes. Weird to call the police then. Okay, just call the coroner. But fine, fair enough. They Mm -hmm. arrive. They arrived to a whole crowd of people outside. Yeah. Huge numbers of people outside this bungalow and inside as well. Just having a grand old look. Oh yeah. Everyone is just pouring around, chatting <laughs> away. The police kind of push their way through the crowd, some of whom look familiar. Did I see you in that film? Did I see <laughs> you in that like yeah, there's actors and actresses, all the fucking stars, are out on this street. And they've gathered outside this house because they've heard the whispers that William Desmond Taylor, mm. Taylor who I'll refer to after this, has died. Inside, the police find studio executives, senior people, actors, actresses, just pouring through his stuff, just picking over his stuff, going through it, and like, and he's lying dead <laughs> on the living room floor. Like, nice. Right. Okay. Now, maybe they're in there, this being 1922, maybe they need to get rid of some bootleg liquor and everything. Yeah, you know? True, true. Yeah. Studio mm-hmm. executives go, we just need to just check all of this. And it's like, oh, oh okay, fine.
0: Getting rid of all of his silent porn so his mother doesn't find it.
2: (laughs) It would later transpire that Taylor's valet, a man named Henry Peavy, had found his body. At first thought he was asleep and then called the authorities when he realised he was dead. I say called the authorities. He called the studio first. (laughs) The studio that Taylor worked for. And then the authorities have arrived around about 12 hours later Nice. while everyone's having a bit of a party in the house, just, just picking over things. So the detectives are scratching their heads going, okay, natural causes? Who decided that? Mm. Pe- ah, ah, I the- played a doctor once on a film. <laughs> yeah. The people gathered going, oh, don't you worry. We had a guy here earlier who said he was definitely a doctor. Worked for the studio for the uh, famous Players Lasky Studios which would later become Mm. Paramount. And he was there, and he could see instantly that this was a stomach hemorrhage. Good for him. Right. Good to have such a knowledgeable man on hand. Good. Is he here? Can we talk to him? No, he left. He left. Do you know what he looks like? No. 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 No, no. Did he he examine the body? No. (laughs) No. Anyone get his name? No. When the coroner arrives, I'm going to maybe check the body. Fine, take a peek. Okay, his stomach hemorrhage. Turn him over. Yeah, he's been shot in the back.
0: <laughs> and his stomach hemorrhaged.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it missed his stomach, weirdly. Oh,
0: okay.
2: Yeah, the trajectory of the bullet was wow. actually a very low down point where the exit went through his neck. That's it's a very
0: weird trajectory. Someone lying on the floor
2: potentially crouched down or someone very 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 small very small very small which we'll play (laughs) some people have theories about that which mm, it's weird (laughs) the man has been shot there's a bullet still in there oh right everyone says i imagine there's someone with a bag of chips in the kitchen just going oh no, that sucks he was shot yeah i just (laughs) just take all of his cheese the bullet entered through the stomach yeah exit through the neck so someone is been crouching down lying down when he shot him that's an odd angle it's a very odd angle The police examine the body, shoving people out of the way as they go. They find many of his possessions are still in place. His wallet was there containing $78. $78 in 1922. A cigarette case of silver, cigarette case. He had rings on, diamond rings and gold rings. Not touched. A pocket watch, a locket. There was some money that was said to have disappeared from the house, but there's enough that's been left where they go, this couldn't have been robbery. And if it was a robbery, it was a bad one. Mm. It wasn't very good. He had been killed the night before, as I'd said, and lain there until his valet found him. And then still the call had not come until the studio had really poured through things. So who was William Desmond Taylor, really? And who would want him dead? So William Desmond Taylor was known to be a moral, sensible, reliable English-born director who had made it big in Hollywood, upstanding gentleman. But after his death, journalists started poring through his past and talking to everyone they could to get more information about his story. And it turns out William Desmond Taylor was not who he said he was. Yeah, always. He was born William Cunningham Dean Tanner, and he was born in Ireland in 1872. Now, he came from a fairly prominent, well-off family, but he decided to strike out for America in 1891 and spent a fair few years trying... Different careers. He worked on a ranch in Kansas. He moved to New York. He tries different things in retail. He eventually has ideas about becoming an actor. Nice. And he has some success. He gets jobs. In New York, he meets Ethel May Harrison, an actress and antique seller who comes from a wealthy family, nice, respectable life. They marry in 1901 and they have a daughter ethel daisy in 1902 and life in new york is good they attend parties and social gatherings they have money behind them thanks to her taylor likes a drink mm. yeah and he appears to be carrying on with the people outside of his marriage ladies some would say others would say other things okay mm. but it's all it's all in the best possible taste. absolutely yeah. But then he decides married life is not for him. Mm. Mm, he's going to quit. Not just quit, just move across the country. Just run. In 1908, <sighs> he goes out for lunch and never comes back. Oh. Abandons his family and disappears. Oh, that's, that's good. This is obviously horrifying for the family. They have no way of contacting him, no way of knowing where he has gone, it has disappeared completely. She's convinced he has amnesia. Apparently, so he must have just had a depressive spell and he's walked off and he'll come back. No, Mm. no, he doesn't. He doesn't. He travels around the USA and Canada as an actor, a ranch hand, a gold prospector. At one point, he tries. Before eventually landing in Hollywood with designs of becoming an actor on the big screen, but also a film producer. Film producing is the cash cow of the time. Mm -hmm. And by now, he is known as William Desmond Taylor. As an Englishman, not an Irishman, who has just come over to start his career in the film industry. Now, he acted in a few films before turning his hand to directing, and he started churning out numerous films that were hits, eventually ending up working for the studio that would later become Paramount. It's the easiest way of describing yep. it, because their mm. names are many, many <laughs> complicated. <Absolutely. laughs> At the outbreak of World War I, he did enlist with the Canadian Expeditionary Force, and he would serve... Overseas, Man. He actually ended up serving with the British Army Man. in Dunkirk. He, he did his service. He did his service for the British and was honoured for his amazing service in his return back to the USA in 1919. His star rose even further, an English gent, a war hero. Mm. He had ended up directing the likes of Mary Pickford. Ooh, oh, big, fancy. big actress yeah, big at name. the time. And he directed the films Huckleberry Finn, mm-hmm. Tom Sawyer, Anne of Green Gables. And he worked a lot with his engaging young protege, Mary Miles Minter, a beautiful teenage actress. Blonde, beautiful. Um. Oh, God, quite the ingenue. Oddly, Taylor found out during this time that his own younger brother had deserted his wife and children, just like he had done. Oh, Now, Taylor was keeping the fact that he had deserted his wife and ch- that he had a wife and child completely secret
0: yes it's not something you want to advertise i feel no. it's not going to do your reputation any good absolutely
2: not there is this report that he found out his younger brother had deserted his wife mm. and child and then he had ended up sending her regular payments to the wife okay. i don't know whether that's a bit of yellow journalism later on or whether that's him trying to twist his story maybe mm. that you know he he looked after his brother's his abandoned, in law, yeah, yeah his, his abandoned sister-in-law. It's like, well, what about your own well, wife? Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. What about your own bloody family, mate? Uh, yeah, it's this weird <laughs> so, thing that's really mm. made a point of. And I think mm. it was probably known in Hollywood that he was so good and kind. It was like, well, what about your wife? But no one but knew. But no one knew about his wife. No yeah. one knew. No yeah. one knew. But his wife and daughter would find him again. I'm sure. Literally from seeing him on the screen. (laughs) It's going to be, that's daddy. (laughs) That's what happened. I shit you not. (laughs) Ethel went to the cinema with her daughter, saw her husband on screen and turned Mm. to her daughter and went, that's your father. The daughter ended up writing to him because of you know several years have passed, and he did reconnect. He reconnected with the family, recon- reconciled with the daughter, mm-hmm. and named her his heir. Okay. So, well, he must have had a bit of money. I mean, he did. So yes. he must be not not short of a bob or two. It speaks a lot of the reporting and what's covered at this sort of time that money speaks. Is that oh, oh his daughter was his heir rather than like I love you and I'll be a father to you. When, you when, can when, have when all my it? cash. <laughs> yes. So, has, has that ever changed? Yeah. <laughs> Again, in a lot of the reports, he, he reconciled with her. No other information on this yeah. afterwards, yeah, no. He wasn't particularly sociable while he was successful. You know, this is a time of huge parties and excess and a lot of fun. He didn't party a huge amount. He would go out and be seen at the uh, usual events. He had mm. um, female friends and companions, and there were lots of rumours about his lovers, his lady lovers. He was known to be a serial womaniser. Mm. That was put about. Was that entirely accurate? Was it put about a bit too much? A <laughs> <laughs> little bit too much, yeah. There are... Many versions of his story that have been re-looked at over yeah. the years with people going, he was gay. Or by
1: mm. He
2: had a lifestyle that everyone in Hollywood would have been fine with, but publicly it would have been, oh, we need not to Not something you out. want to write about in the papers. So. 100% not. <laughs> For that reason, you know, it was really, really blown up that he was great friends with actress Mabel Normand. Mm. So she was a very successful actress at a time, a comedian. Worked with her many times. She was also a co-star of a certain other actor who was also involved in a scandal. But I will reference that person okay. in a moment. But she and Taylor were said and written about they had to be lovers because they were so close. They were definitely very, very close pals. Very, very good friends. The trouble with Mabel is that she had a drug habit. Yeah, yes, no, as many people idea. would have done you know, Hollywood rife rife with drugs back then and today riddled, it was. riddled she had a massive cocaine habit and dabbled in heroin as well apparently and there were multiple drug dealers on the sets and gangs who were mm. supplying Hollywood at the time and Taylor had taken steps to stamp out the drug dealers and particularly to help Mabel his best friend Mabel had come to him allegedly at the start of their friendship to say help me
1: mm. I, I
2: need help And he had not only helped her, but he had taken great steps to go, no drugs on set, no one comes anywhere near any of my films. So he'd made a very big show of this. And he'd also offered to give federal agents evidence about Mabel's suppliers, allegedly. Hmm. So that's not a good sign. He was also reportedly very close to his ingenue, Mary Miles Minter. She was 18 and he was 49. Hmm at the time of his death. So there were lots of stories and rumours about his closeness with his little ingenue. But then nothing untoward could have happened with Mary, particularly thanks to her mother, Charlotte Shelby, who chaperoned her and was known to be very fierce in her protection of her daughter. There was also his old friend, Margaret Gibson, an actress who he had known for years and years and years to the point where she probably knew a lot about Mr. Taylor mm. and his past. She wasn't having the greatest success at the time of his death. No. She was known to do, you know, the odd acting job here in their B movies, you know, really, really sort of dredging the barrel, but also a little little sex work on the side. Um. Maybe a little blackmailing. Had a really nice scheme going with several male friends to blackmail some of her male patrons or admirers mm. to get money out of them. And there was also his trusty valet, Edward Sands, who had been hired before Henry Peavy, but he'd had to let go because Edward Sands had been not the best person to have around, really. By 1922, Taylor was the head of Motion Pictures Directors Association. He had a reputation for class, of decency, but in the last few weeks of his life, he was said to be acting erratically. He complained of threatening letters, of anonymous phone calls, of threats of extortion being laid at his door, but he never revealed who was sending these, mm. if he knew. And then there was money missing from his bank account. So that brings us back to the night of his murder, where we must re examine the scene and look at all of the suspects and Hollywood <laughs> itself. And I think that's time for a drink. I
0: think it is. It's got so dramatic. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: Nick, we have our drinks. We do. We do. We're back on We're the, back the in evening Hollywood. of the 1st of February, the night before the body is discovered. Ooh. Now, William Desmond Taylor is in his bungalow. Mabel has spent the evening with him. His very good friend, his actress friend, she spent the evening with him. She had come over. They had apparently had a quarrel the day before. Had a bit of a spat. He'd lent her a book. She was returning the book to him. But then they'd had a lovely evening. They shared martinis. Nice. They, they sort of chatted away they they played the piano they had a lovely lovely time the world rights
0: having a grand old time
2: there was one report said they had orange blossom gin and that was nearly the ingredient but then <laughs> I was nah <laughs> I don't have orange blossom gin yes that's a bit specific William Desmond Taylor walked Mabel to her car she had a chauffeur driven car of oh, course she did he walked outside said goodnight they blew kisses each other in the street mwah, mwah, mwah. love you love you love you wave 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 This was the last time he'd be seen alive. Short while after he goes back inside, a neighbour, Faith McLean, reported hearing a car backfire. Mm. What she thought was a car backfire. She looked outside and she saw a man, a white man, she described looking rough with a big nose, leaving the house. Five foot seven. She was quite specific about... Okay, that's a very specific idea. Well, it's a short man. Mm. It's a short man was dressed in one report that was said, like my idea of a motion picture burglar.
0: (laughs) It's got a big bag of swag and a stripy (laughs) stripy top and a beret or something. Yep, and a little mask (laughs) over the eyes. Dead giveaway,
2: dead giveaway. Now, in (laughs) different reports of this, she was adamant that it was a man. It was definitely a man, but others say, you know, that she was a bit vague about it. Could it have been a woman? Could it have been someone in disguise? Who was this person leaving the bungalow? People will twist this report To serve their purposes. The valet, Henry Peavy, who was employed, arrived in the morning, finds the body, screams, but calls the studio first. Because this is the protocol of the time. You have to call the studio before you call the police. Yeah. Because Hollywood does not want any more scandal. Absolutely not. Now, do you know why they might not want scandal at this time?
0: Well, I suppose they're probably trying to get funding. People are trying to—they're trying to sell their pictures, mm. and they don't want people reading the papers about all the debauchery mm. going on. It's going to put people off.
2: It's less about funding. I mean, obviously that plays a role in it. They want people to go to the movies, and mm. they've got this temperance-ish, let's call it that, movement across America where everyone's saying, "Oh no, if you go to the cinema and you might see this and you might see this," and there's all these calls for calls for regulation. This would actually spark what would later be known as the Hayes Code, which was, was a very interesting piece of cinema history about where you have regulations about what can be shown on screen and what can't. Uh, so censorship, essentially. But there's something bigger that's been going on. Okay. You've got these morality debates that have been really, really spurred on and Hollywood's reputation has been dented by the trial of Roscoe Fatty Arbuckle. Oh yeah. Now This is a famous case in Hollywood Mm. and could be one we could delve into on Patreon, I feel. It's a very interesting one. It's not a particularly pleasant story and it's more complicated than people think because there's so many legends around the trial of Mm. Fatty Arbuckle. Fatty Arbuckle, very, very quick summary. Silent movie, actor, comedian, incredibly successful. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, huge. Huge. Absolutely huge. Uh, But he ended up at a party one night and would later be accused of the rape and manslaughter of a woman named virginia rappe so a young woman at a party allegedly he had sex with her consensual not we don't know and she died later on this sparked all these rumors about what happened Mm -hmm. During this time, I'm not going to go into them right now, but there's also, people know the legends around it. It's almost become an urban legend. Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's bigger yeah. than what actually happened. It's, yeah, it's, what, what actually happened, it. is, we yeah. don't know. All sorts of nasty things. And it's yeah. not very pleasant. Fatih Arbuckle would have three trials. He was stand trial three times. The first two were thrown out. The end one, he was acquitted. Mm. He was acquitted. Completely destroyed his career. Oh, gosh, yeah. And it spurred on... All the people who were saying Hollywood is a cesspit of morals, look at this. Look at this man who has gone out and murdered a woman, not murdered a woman, but, you know, they would they would call it that. All of these awful things. So the studios can't take any more scandal. They know that all of their stars and all of their directors and all of their studio executives are out taking cocaine and they're partying and they're drinking and having sex with Everyone, <laughs> it's a wonderful, wonderful place, but we don't want people to know, don't about, want it. Them know
0: about it. Know about it—that's the thing. Exactly.
2: Yeah. So this is another example. If Taylor has been killed in some sort of scandalous sex debauchery, whatever <laughs> has been going on, it's another example of why Hollywood belongs in the gutter, mm. and it will impact. Income. So that's why the studio executives are called first to get over there and go right clear the booze away. Has he been breaking prohibition laws? Has he been stockpiling any porn that we need to know about? (laughs) Does he have letters? I mean, they are tampering with evidence. Mm. It would be convenient to think that the studios knew who killed Taylor and there had to be a massive cover up because it was someone really famous. They're just over there not giving the slightest shit about his life or the authorities or the judicial process and they're just trying to clear anything away that might look incriminating so studios aside and hollywood Mm -hmm. having to answer for this we must now come to the suspects so the people closest to taylor who could have killed him the closest people to him were his valets as i've mentioned you have henry Peavy, but i also reference edward sands his ex-valet now he had worked for taylor as a cook and a valet, and a chauffeur for about seven months in 1920 to 21. He was born in America, but he spoke famously with a fake Cockney accent. Nice. Everyone for loves no a reason. a fake Cockney accent. Yep, yep. People questioned it a lot, and he just stuck to it.
0: Well, it's something different, isn't it? It's going to set you apart from the crowd.
2: <laughs> as a crazy person, as, as yes. a Crazy person, But <laughs> apart from the
0: crowd. People will remember you
2: yes Uh. they'll also remember him for his multiple convictions (laughs) for embezzlement forgery yeah he was a deserter from the army as well so 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 not great not great taylor took a holiday in the summer of 1921 he'd gone to europe edward sands was responsible for looking after his house while he was gone he pawned a shitload of taylor's possessions cashed blank checks crashed his car And then was just forging his signatures all over town. So not not the apparently they started off really close and got Mm. on very well. Didn't end well. Didn't end well, didn't end well. But after he was let go and Henry Peaver was hired as the valet, Taylor started receiving tickets for the pawn shop from Sands under William Taylor's birth name, William Mm. Dean Tanner. So Edward Sands seemed to be going, I know who you really are. So... Maybe you need to be paying me some money. Mm-hmm. Taylor apparently found on his porch cigarette butts that Edward Sands would smoke. He had phone calls during the night where people would hang up. He was being harassed. And a lot of people thought that Edward Sands was now targeting him for money using what he had gleaned yeah. about his past, going through all of his well, personal yeah, belongings. Exactly. He's going
0: to have the ideal opportunity to go through all his paperwork and mm-hmm. all everything he's got and find out his deepest secrets. And I means so a a valor as well is it's a I suppose it's a position of, of trust you do you, you yeah. talk about things and and what have you and yeah. so he must know everything about this man's life mm. and, um, and is now using it against him
2: and just before Taylor died money had disappeared from yeah. his accounts it's a very strange situation interestingly enough Sands he was never sought for the crime because he disappeared. Mm. He disappeared off the face of the earth. One reason to try and find someone, I feel. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, he's, he's, you mean he's vanished? Oh, well, it can't be him. We shan't, we shan't bother seeking him.
2: <laughs> so. The number of people who are pursued in this case is shockingly low, <laughs> as in Zero pretty much there's there's vague questionings going on but edward sands would seem like a prime suspect yeah. but he was never really pursued C- he had he moved
0: an, next door he,
2: no <laughs> apparently so we
0: can't find him
2: <laughs> he went over there a little he sidestepped <laughs> to the left we can't find him no apparently he had another job he clocked into that job that morning and then he was never just, he was just never seen again he completely vanished off the face of the earth and no one could find him no one knew about him no one was ever able to trace him mm. Which makes you kind of think like, was it him? Did he did he did he kill himself? Did, did that something happen? Oh, or like change, did he just change
0: his name and or just move abroad? Yeah, yeah. Move somewhere and change your name. And that at that time it's not probably not difficult to disappear.
2: Mm. But there were other suspects that the authorities wanted to line up. Now Henry Peavy, the valet who was employed at the time who had found the body. Now obviously they want to talk to him. Henry Peavy was a black man. He was a much better valet to Taylor. He was known for wearing flashy golf costumes, despite the fact he never owned golf clubs.
0: <laughs> but he was he was there for the look. He
2: was he was there for the there's pictures. There's Brilliant. pictures and they're amazing. It's just the the little cap, the bow tie, that and the and the and the plus fours oh, and the jacket. He trousers. looks gorgeous. Fantastic. <laughs> Love it. I'm out of style. He had his own shady past, but this shady past makes it even more unlikely that he killed Taylor. I think everyone kind of quietly acknowledged this because PV was facing charges at the time for social vagrancy and lewd conduct. Mm. But Taylor was going to testify in his favour.
0: Yeah, you don't want to kill a man who's, yeah, going to keep you out of jail or exactly. something. So, yeah. Yeah. Taylor
2: was going to support him going to be the upstanding member of society to say he would never do this. Now, what these uh, charges were in relation mm. to, you, we don't know. People have drawn conclusions. Of course they have. And we'll leave that there. We'll leave that there. But there's there's no real reason that he would kill the person who was going to try and clear his name. But there is a funny story. And this comes from the, the great book about this case, Robert Giraud's book in 1990, about how a journalist thought that P.V was the killer and had a really interesting way of trying to get him to admit to the crime. So I'm going to take this. This is taken from the book here. Even though the police decided after severe questioning that PV was not the murderer, Hollywood correspondent of the New York Daily News, Floribel Muir, came to a private conclusion that PV was the murderer. Muir thought she could engineer a scoop by tricking PV into confession. I'm going to use the language that is used here. Mm-hmm. She knew from the movies that blacks, black people, people of color, were deathly afraid of ghosts. Right, yes. (laughs) With the help of two confederates, Frank Carson and Al Weinshank, she offered Peavy $10 if he would identify Taylor's grave in the Hollywood Park Cemetery, which she already had visited. Weinshank had gone there ahead with a white sheet, and Muir and Carson drove Peavy to the site, Weinshank, who came from a tough section of Chicago and spoke with the accents of a hoodlum, loomed up in the sheet and cried out, I'm the ghost of William Desmond Taylor. You murdered me. Confess, PV. Henry laughed out loud, then cursed them roundly. Unfortunately for Muir, she was unaware that Taylor had a distinctive British accent. Right, okay. So, yeah, so the guy jumped out in an American accent going, I'm the ghost of... <laughs> He's like, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're, you're really, not British. You're really not. Fun story there. PV always believed it was Mabel, though. He always mm-hmm. said it was Mabel because he'd seen them the night together. He didn't trust her. He's like, Mabel, it must be her. So let's come to the women in Taylor's mm-hmm. lives. Mabel Normand. We've heard about her. Great actress. Drug addict. Her dear friend, dear friend has died. Her picture was in the locket that was found on his body. She apparently wrote lots of letters to him that she was quite keen to get back from the bungalow. The police never had her as a serious suspect, but could it have been one of her dealers?
0: Well, if he was, yeah, keeping the studio clear of, of all the gangs, of, of all the gangs and things, and mm. threatening to go to the authorities with who, things he knew, yep. then yes. Yes, that's seems reasonable.
2: being very vocal about it and sort of mounting campaigns about yeah. cracking down on these drug gangs. So could it have been a gang hit, as it were? Mm. Mabel apparently went into deep mourning after his death. Her own career declined. She died of tuberculosis in 1930 and she apparently had asked her friends a few days before her death, do you think they'll ever find out who killed Bill Taylor? Mm. Mm? Then we come to Mary Miles Minter the ingenue the 18 year old youngster was taylor having an affair with this pretty young thing it's known to have happened yeah yep people being exploited back in hollywood well according to most sources it was mary who was obsessed with him Mm. completely infatuated he apparently took a fatherly approach to her, took her under his wing, was training her up as an actress, but she thought this was love. Mm. She thought they were going to get married. She was convinced that he was the one for her. She apparently snuck out of her house under the watchful eye of her mother, but she would get away from her and run to his house and throw herself into his arms, and he rejected her. He's like, I am too old for I'm you. I'm too old, and I'm also gay. Mm-mm. this is not going to happen yeah. he once said of her she's all tonsillitis and temperament
0: <laughs> it's a great
2: letter. like it <laughs> but she was convinced they mm-hmm. were going to be together she sent him reams of love letters and they were found in the bungalow and they were printed in the press yeah. and this destroyed her career it may well have been that he had a more underhand role in her delusion We don't know what was going on at this time. Whatever was happening with Mary Minter, was it quite horrible? We don't know. Or was she a young girl deluded? Three blonde hairs were found on Taylor's jacket when he died. Now, some people think that was because she had come to visit him the night before or quite soon before he died and like laid her head on his shoulder. Mm. She was quite tiny. He was very tall. And a lot of people have made out the fact that she was quite small and he was a tall man. And you think about the trajectory of the bullet. No, I'm sorry. You'd have to be like
0: two, <laughs> you'd have to be like two foot tall mm. to get that trajectory from from stomach to shoulder.
2: Yes. <laughs> a few people said, well, she was a small girl. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, but right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, she wasn't she, that bloody small. She was on her knees. <laughs> <laughs> Begging for his love. Mm. <laughs> Was this Mary shooting the man who was supposed to love her? Mm. Shooting a man who had maybe done something wrong to her? Or was it her mother? Charlotte Shelby was a known figure in Hollywood. The stage mother of all stage mothers she was said to be. She lived through her daughter 100%. Yeah, I'm
0: Yeah, getting very sort of like, yeah gypsy rose lee oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> mommy, of, dearest. mommy dearest yeah sort
2: of. absolutely um, couldn't take to the stage herself her daughter was going to succeed she negotiated mary's contract mm. with the studio got her a million dollars like fearsome and the studios hated her they hated her didn't want her anywhere near it because she was so possessive she was so controlling she was so demanding and she didn't like taylor one bit because he was not only you know coaching her to be a star but Mary was in love with him. Yeah. He was taking her away. Her source of income was going to be taken. More likely to be
0: the mother than the daughter.
2: So she'd also, in the past, it was said that she had encouraged her daughter at the age of 15 to have an abortion so that she could continue her stage career. Mm. Yeah. And the daughter was not keen on this. But it was like, no, 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 you'll never be an actress if you're a mother. (laughs) So... Mary in love with Taylor, Charlotte furious that her income is threatened. Maybe she's genuinely concerned for her daughter if there's inappropriate behaviour. It was well documented that Charlotte had threatened Taylor in front of people on the studio lot saying, if you touch my daughter, I will kill you. She had said that to him. And Charlotte Shelby had a gun that matched the very specific calibre of the bullet that killed well, Taylor. that would help. yep. Yeah. Yeah, so would... it's a very specific, small, it's like a thirty-eight caliber gun. Yeah, it's quite small. Yeah, it matched. It matched. Shelby told her elderly mother who was visiting her in Hollywood, going, go back to Louisiana and throw it in the bayou. And she did. Threw the gun away.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's looking not so good for my mother dearest.
2: She had an alibi for that night. A man, an actor named Carl Stockdale. Carl Stockdale was also paid $200 a month for the rest of his life by Charlotte Shelby. Mm. Allegedly. (laughs) Yeah. She was never charged. Her daughter and her would battle for the rest of her life. At one point, the daughter would sue her mother. (laughs) They would later reconcile. Mary Mars Minter... Her reputation, as I said, was completely tarnished because of the love letters she mm-hmm. sent Taylor because, of course, a young woman can't fall in love and can't be professing her love for an older man and her involvement in this scandal, she really wasn't hired much. She made a few more films, ended up marrying a businessman, lived quiet life, died in 1984, age 82. Apparently, she gave an interview around 1970 and Mary Minter described going to see Taylor's body in the morgue and she insisted that the morticians take her blood as a blood transfusion to bring him back to life. This is well documented that she was just like, no, no, no. And she called Taylor, her mate for the rest of her life. The last of the suspects is Margaret Gibson. As I mentioned before, the old, old friend, the B movie actress, but who had a shady, shady sideline in blackmailing people. She knew plenty of people who would blackmail and do worse for money. Now, She had been arrested multiple times. She would go on to be arrested multiple times through her career. Her career was completely on the skids at the time of Taylor's death, but then suddenly she managed to obtain a large amount of money and then was cast in a film by the same studio that Taylor worked for. And that doesn't just happen. Suddenly she got her in. Yeah. Was she the one blackmailing him? But then if you...
0: If okay, if you're successfully blackmailing someone,
2: don't kill them.
0: <laughs> if this if, okay, you, this person is giving you money or giving you opportunities or giving you work for mm-hmm. whatever information you have, then
2: don't kill them. Yeah, make the most of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, maybe make it last. <laughs> that's the thing. She, it was unlikely she killed him, and as you, uh, for those reasons, but did she know enough that she was after? That after he died, she was able to go to the studio and go, oh, it's a shame this man died. So I have a lot of information on him and you probably don't want that getting out. Yeah, so maybe you set me up. Uh, Her career was short-lived. She was arrested again for extortion. But, 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 but in 1964, she had a heart attack and confessed to a priest on her deathbed that she had killed William Desmond Taylor. Now, people think, was she responsible? Was she there in the bungalow and fired the shot from the ground, wherever it was? Or was she responsible for his death because someone else had killed him? One of the men that she worked with for blackmailing, she worked with her uncle, she worked with a whole stream of people. Did they go in and kill him for money? And she felt responsible. Or was she just doing an old deathbed confession to go, it was me, To get my last bit of fame. The fact is no one knows who killed William Desmond Taylor. The crime scene was compromised. There was little evidence and suspects were certainly juicy, but nothing was solid. No one was ever brought in. Mm. No one stood trial for this crime. And there were whispers that the police had been warned off, maybe by the studios, by other people. Someone was being protected or many people were being pushed aside. They didn't want another messy death on their hands they wanted it all to go away no matter how it had come about so maybe hollywood is the greatest poison <laughs> of them all that is the story of the death of william desmond taylor good story there you go not a story
0: i'm familiar with but no, i like it i like it
2: it is one of those stories where i was like oh let's look into this jesus christ <laughs> there's a
0: lot going on there
2: <laughs> it's mad that, that just Nothing happened. It's nothing <laughs> happened.
0: Yeah, it just, show, just show the power of the studios
2: mm. that, that
0: they had in in Hollywood at that time. Oh yeah, to be able to just control everything, and the the you no know, doubt like the bribes and the backhanders that were doled out to the police to look the other way or mm. whatever. Just don't, just just let this one slide.
2: And it's the reason <laughs> I gave the context for Hollywood at the time. Because we think of, and we'd be right to think of the studio era's heyday in the 30s and 40s. Mm -hmm. Really was so massive. It's unbelievable. And there are multiple books and films and documentaries written about it. It's so fascinating and juicy. But this time period is just emerging. And the, the amount of money and the potential for money making in the movie industry is just going absolutely insane. In the space of very few number of years Mm. really about 10 15 years from just the Lumiere brothers and edison dicking around and people just going hey hello and then suddenly you've got charlie chaplin and and then you're not far off from the jazz singer all of these technological advances and suddenly it's going to be the biggest thing that's ever happened and it would only get bigger do you have theories about who did it mother do you think it's the mother i think it's the mother people love the mother idea it's very dramatic it's the mother
0: Yeah. yeah i think it's a it's a jealous crazy mother
2: I I sort of lean towards Edward Sands the valet mm. because of his disappearance.
0: Yes, that doesn't help.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think he was an idiot, yeah. and he thought he could rob him and get some stuff. Maybe he was lying in wait for him. Mm. But the mother, that is wonderful drama. I absolutely but, uh, yeah,
0: love that. Yeah, I mean, Edward I Sands, you think? Okay, you I mean blackmail would surely be much better if you know all this stuff about him. things and yeah you know about his previous family and all this sort of stuff and things Mm. blackmail them get the money yeah you shoot them you might get one payout but what what does that that, that get you
2: it's true yeah whereas the mother i
0: think is just entirely insane thinking Mm. she's gonna lose her daughter obviously a woman who completely lives entirely vicariously through her daughter's success yeah if her daughter is taken away then she is nothing she is she loses everything so she's got a lot more to lose in that way the, than just a matter of no I'm, I'm my money's on the mother
2: yeah that she just lost it one night yeah. and then yeah just yeah just shot him be, with the, the gun caliber matching up with a bullet
0: yeah i mean that, that's a big thing and then take this gun and throw it into the swamp
2: it's kind of crazy that she was yeah. never officially properly questioned yeah. and then brought forward for that there was one police detective who would say years later that he had been warned off looking yeah, I mean, into he, the daughter and the mother because he, the daughter was a cash cow as well. well exactly. You know? I mean,
0: you do that, then all it does is just create more scandal. Yeah. So yeah, the, the mother of this up-and-coming starlet mm. has has killed someone because yeah, because she's mad. Yeah. But Still, it's still. But it would fuel rumours that, that there had been the a sexual studio. relationship. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. So I'm not surprised they were warned off because it's still going to create yeah. the scandal that they're desperate to avoid.
2: Yeah, and it's sort of in the space of about a week after mm. his death that. Some of the detectives involved said a week later it had just died. Just like literally it. nothing. We weren't, we were told just back off this case, just, just leave it run. alone but yeah we don't know we don't know what was the motive well what do you think people who do you think was responsible for the death of William Desmond Taylor do you believe he was being blackmailed do you believe that his relationships with all the females in his life was purely platonic and they were all hiding secrets for him do you think there was something more on toward happening here do you think it was the jealous mother do you think it was blackmailers trying to get every last penny out of them or do you think the studio had more to do with this than we know tell us what you think jump on the comments and tell us your thoughts your theories your feelings but most importantly when you do you must mix up a Greta Garbo oh you must it's delicious oh it's very good it's
0: gone it's very good very good very good very tasty very tasty very tasty indeed yes the rest of it will be out this evening so yeah knock one up it's great
2: And if you'd like to hear more stories of old Hollywood, because there's plenty of scandals there, if you have some juicy ones you think we could tackle, please DM us, leave them in comments, send us an email, send a carrier pigeon telling us of their ways. We'd love to look into it for you. If you haven't already, please join us on Patreon and leave us a positive review on Apple iTunes because it really, really helps our podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. We have been the people inside the Poisoner's Cabinet. We will see you next week. And remember, your loved ones are trying to kill you.